0: I've got several scriptures here that I want to lay out uh, this morning to kind of build sort of a framework uh, for us to, sp- to work from today. Um, all of them sort of may seem, some of them may seem related, others may seem sort of disjointed, but they're all building sort of a framework um, by which I believe the Lord is going to use to speak to us today. Uh, Psalms 42, you can turn with me to those. If you've got a Bible with you handy, if you've got an app, you can flip through quickly you can read, you can write these down, or you can just trust me that I'm actually reading the right part and telling you the right thing. Um, but be careful, even those that you think you can trust, you always wanna verify the word of God for yourself. Just a little side note, not, not going down here today, but never take someone else's word for it when it comes to the Bible. You say, well, they're good people, they're really they're sincere, great. But when it comes to my salvation, I'm not taking your word, I wanna know it for myself. Well that sounds a little that sounds a little too uh little too strong. Well, you know what? Hell is forever. Eternity is forever. So, you can stake your eternal claim on someone else's opinion and what they see, and you know, the Bible says this. Well, okay, I believe it. No, no, I want to see it for myself. Call me a skeptic, call me a doubter, call me whatever you want. I want to see it for myself. So, uh there we go. See? I told you. That's the dog he's saying amen. Um, So in a minute, he's going to take off running um, and uh, worshiping the Lord. But this is where we are today. So if you hear the dog, you know that either he's getting the Holy Ghost or uh, it's just the way it is. But uh, let's go, if we can, Psalms 42, verse number two. Uh, This is the psalmist David writing this. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I love how he sort of added that second part on there. He goes, my soul thirsts for God. And then he kind of adds that extra one, for the living God. There's a lot of people whose soul thirsts for God, but they're not thirsting for the living God. There's a difference in all of this. Everybody's gonna thirst for something. Everybody thirsts for something. And David says, I thirst for the God, but to make sure... You understood what God he was speaking about. He added that extra four words in there. For the living God. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. You can thirst for, for God, but are you thirsting for the living God? And then we're going to go over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verse 1 and verse 2. This is God speaking to Uh, Israel through Isaiah he says come everyone who thirsts come to the waters and he who has no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without price and then this is the question this is a question God's asking this is God's question why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy listen diligently to me And eat what is good delight yourself in rich food I love that question God asks there he says why do you labor for that which does not satisfy now I want to make a statement here before I sort of go into the second part here because I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying Um, today obviously is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, in uh, four days from now, as five days from now, we are going to be celebrating, most of us in our country are going to be celebrating a holiday that is a wonderful holiday. Thanksgiving is wonderful, but Thanksgiving, it's creeping up before Thanksgiving, but usually Thanksgiving sort of marks the beginning of what we consider to be the holiday season, or as Andy Williams says, the most wonderful time of the year, right? And for the next five weeks or so, six weeks, whatever it's gonna be from from now until really Christmas, or you could throw New Year's in there, but we're gonna use Christmas as sort of the uh, the bookend to this. For the next five weeks, um, our lives, most of us become very f- consumed and around sort of this this festive feeling that we get. The stores we go into are gonna be playing holiday music uh, the places we go are going to be decorated. lights are going to be up your neighborhood your neighbors are going to have you um, you 're going have lights on their houses and and trees up maybe you're like us. We started yesterday in our house we're a Christmas family. we love Christmas so you'll know what i'm saying today i'm not anti christmas i 'm not going to get on a Christmas bashing session. We are a Christmas family if you come to our house here about a week from now. Uh, you're probably going to think you're walking into the North Pole because we take Christmas serious here. So we started yesterday. We, we, uh, we started putting up our uh, tree, one of several trees that we will end up putting up uh, here over the next couple of weeks. And our house, we've you know, this year, just to kind of lay it out there, we're like, I'm pumped because uh, we're, we're starting a Christmas village made of Legos. Oh, it's going to be epic epic. At the center of our Lego, we've got a Lego Christmas tree that we're going to build and we've got all kinds of we got the home alone Lego set that just came out. So we're going to have this epic. We got the we got a Lego train station that delivers toys. We got the elf workshop, we got a gingerbread house all made of Legos. It's going to be phenomenal. And on top of that, we actually have gingerbread kits we're going to decorate. So I'm I embrace Christmas. I enjoy Christmas. I love it. We have three kids. Fourteen. If you don't know who, who know much about us, my wife and I, we have three kids: fourteen, almost twelve here in the next week or so. 14, 12, and nine. They're big into Christmas. We're a Christmas family, um, so this is not an anti-Christmas. I'm not simply. I'm not saying anything. I'm about to say is an anti-Christmas statement because if that's the case, I would be indicting myself because we are a Christmas family. We enjoy Christmas, but over the next five weeks, it's 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 going to be something that consumes most people and i read the statistic and i went back and checked it and there's varying sources and there's varying you know degrees uh, of opinion on how much but the overall estimate is somewhere north of 750 billion 750 billion dollars that's a lot of zeros if you haven't noticed it 750 billion dollars you got to see hold on a second uh, uh, you got to see this number i got to write that i got this paper hold on a second i wasn't going to do this apologize for a second you you got to see for a second that number written out forget my handwriting here can you see that number just look at that number look how many zeros that is 750 billion dollars North of $750 billion is going to be spent in this country. Not everywhere else, not Europe and Canada or South America or anywhere else. This is United States spending. $750 billion is going to be spent over the next uh, five weeks on Christmas. Christmas decorations, food, gifts, and so on. Think about that for a moment. That's a staggering amount of money that's going to be built celebrating a holiday, built celebrating uh, Christmas. And the average, I think I read, the, the average uh, American household is going to spend, I think, around $1,100, 1000 to $1,100. Maybe you're not going to do that this year or maybe you're going to go over. But somewhere between uh, around $1,100 this year is going to be spent on Christmas-related things, whether it's food, decorations gifts are all of the above now again this is not an anti-christmas statement i'm not suggesting we boycott christmas this is not something you know you do what you and the lord work out for you and your family if you're a christmas family and jesus is okay with that then you know have four thousand trees make it as festive as you want or maybe the lord has kind of spoken to you this year to dial it back a little bit and you're doing that okay that's it's This is that. This is a completely different subject. Seven hundred fifty million billion. I keep saying million. Seven hundred fifty billion dollars is going to be spent over the next um, five weeks or so on this holiday we celebrate Christmas. Now, again, one more time to make sure you understand, because maybe you're you're new today and you don't really you don't know me enough to kind of get where I'm coming from. I'm not speaking against. Any of that. I'm not here to say, you know, we should put that money and solve world hunger. I'm just trying to make a point here. It's $750 billion of money that goes above and beyond the necessities of life, right? This is not $750 billion that we're spending in order to survive. It's not $750 billion we're spending in order to feed our families. This is $750 billion. You got to get that B in there because it's just staggering. Billion dollars, 750 billion dollars on things that go above and beyond our normal existence. Right? 750 dollars. We have a we have a tradition here in our family. We started when our kids were little, we get a brand, we get a new ornament every year for our family. You know, the mall the mall has them mostly now you can get them other places, but we get the little personalized ornaments that they they write names on, and so we started that when our kids were little. And so every year we bought a new one, starting with the first Christmas we had with our, our, our first child. So every year for the last 14 years, we've added. So if you come to our house, you'll see a section of our tree when we decorate it that has all these personal ornaments. And this year we'll get another one. We'll get another one that has 2021 on it. Last year we had one that was personalized. It was um, a Christmas tree made out of toilet paper. Just because obviously with COVID and everything. We, we personalize it. But let's be frank, yes, it's a wonderful tradition, it's, one, it's a great family thing from a family perspective, but I don't need another ornament to survive. If something happened this year and we did not get another ornament, we would keep chucking, we'd keep going on, we'd keep, run, we'd keep going, life would not stop. So the money we're gonna spend on these things and the things we're gonna do and the gifts we're gonna buy and the, and, and, and the things we're going to do, this is not necessity, this is extra. And I'm, again, I'm not. this is not a, a right or wrong statement here. This is not like, boy, we should stop doing this. Let's boycott it. Let's all just hunker down and pray and fast and seek God. If God wants you to do that, then you need to do that. I'm not suggesting we do that. I'm trying to get to something deeper here. Because let's go through the fullness of the calendar, right? Let's look at our life, the way it's constructed now, the way we live our life now. And I know some of us do a better job than others of sort of resisting this sort of Mentality, But let, let's just look at things for a second. Beginning in January, you start going to the store and they already start having candy and hearts and teddy bears out because now the next big thing is the, 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 the big thing is is February 14th, Valentine's Day. But the moment the 14th is over and the 15th hits, now what? We're moving all that now. Here comes more candy because it's Easter. And we start building up months before Easter. And Easter comes. As soon as Easter's over, we get that out. Now we start towards the next one, whether it's Memorial Day. Memorial Day's done. As soon as Memorial Day cleaned off the shelf, July 4th comes. July 4th comes and then we kind of get this little bit of reprieve but now it's getting more and more. It's starting to creep sometime by the end of August, beginning of September. What happens? Now we start to get all the Halloween stuff. Now, as soon as Halloween is over, guess what comes up? Christmas. Think about that. You barely really go to a store anymore where they're not promoting something else a next holiday. We're just absolutely inundated by more and more celebration. Now, Again, you, there's nothing wrong with celebrating anything. There's nothing wrong with, with that at all. That, this is not the point I'm making. Don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's something here that's a bigger point that really points to us as humanity and the lie that we've really fallen for. Because if we go back to our scripture here, Psalms uh, 42, David says, My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. Now notice this here. What he's really saying is, number one, everybody is going to thirst for something. Right? This is a a silly analogy, but when it comes to your life today, sometime today, you're going to have to stop and drink something. If you don't, you're going to be thirsty. And you may get away with it today. And you may get up in the morning and get away with it. But somewhere around uh, Tuesday, probably, if you haven't drank, you're going to start to really feel some negative effects. Because your body is built to function with fluid. Your body is built to crave fluid. My, my wife is kind of, she, uh, her, the way her body responds is different. When, when she's thirsty, her body actually interprets it as hungry. Like she'll just she'll eat and then uh, in a little bit long, a little while after that, she'll feel hungry. And she's learned, which is through some trial and error, but that she actually wasn't hungry. She was actually thirsty. Her body was sort of giving her the wrong signals and she needs to drink. Because it's built in our body to need substance. We need this. We've got this 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 built in mechanism of creating energy and creating life within us that requires fuel. And so David is using this this word here, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And then we go to Isaiah and God is speaking to Israel and he's basically saying to them, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Now again, this is not a. This is not about uh, a, 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 an anti boycott of life. This is not trying to get you to 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 to, to hold up and, and to become sort of uh, detached from the world and just a sad sack and just sit around and just mope all the time and don't go. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is there's a deeper level to all this. Buy Christmas. Buy fifty thousand trees. Make your. I mean, make Christmas as grand as you desire to make it. Go to the North Pole if you decide to do that. I mean, buy an elf. I don't do whatever. Ride a reindeer. Whatever you want to do. That's that's got. It's your choice. The point I'm trying to make today is not the symptom. I want to go beyond the symptom. We're talking about it here. One of the things we use a lot, if you stick around here in Antioch West, is we call it the thing under the thing. Right? We often focus on the thing. That's the surface. We want to always deal with what's on surface. But God is not interested in what's on the surface. He wants to look at what's below the surface. We call that the thing under the thing. Let's talk about the thing. Well, okay, Christmas, is it good or bad? Should I or should I not celebrate Christmas? Does the Bible say anything about Christmas? In some ways, i got to be honest with you. That's irrelevant. That's the thing. Let's go to the thing under the thing. Because if I said to you today, well, the Bible says Christmas is okay. You're like, well, it's great. All right. I, the Bible says Christmas is okay. So I got 74 trees. And my goodness, I mean, I mean we've, I, we went to uh, the store the other day. They had this inflatable. You know, people are putting inflatables in their front yard now more than ever. They had this inflatable. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. If you want to know the story, text me later. I'll tell you the story. No joke, disinflatable has to be. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna be conservative and guess 15 feet tall. It's like a um, I don't know, like a, uh, a Christmas teddy bear or something. It's 15. I think it's taller, but I'm gonna be conservative and say it's only 15 feet. It is enormous. Like, if you put that in front of your house, we may not be able to see your house. It's that big. If you've got that inflatable, go, I mean, knock yourself out. It's probably going to kill your electric bill, but, you know, knock yourself out. We live, the area we live in, we live in the, what's called the Glen Burnie area. And there are several houses here in the Glen Burnie area that their entire yard is filled with inflatables. They love those inflatables. Go buy inflatables. Buy, buy the 15-footer. It's taller than that, but I'll just be conservative. It's 15 foot. Home Depot. If you go to Home Depot, man, they've got like 10 of these enormous inflatables. Buy all of them. Buy them. Buy poinsettias. Make your house literally like a Christmas wonderland. Bake cookies and sugar cookies and, and 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 just walk around giving jolly and cheer and passing out candy canes to kids and ho, ho, ho. That's not the point. The point is it's not just Christmas. It's the next thing. It's What's next? What's next? It's my birthday. It's my, it's this celebration. It's that. Because ultimately, we're only dealing with the thing. God has never been about the thing. God is about the thing under the thing. And David begins to build this part right here in, 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 in Psalms where he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David says, Let's not talk about the thing here. The thing is thirst. But the thing under the thing is what you're thirsting for. If we were about satisfying our thirst, that's the thing, right? We can go satisfy your thirst. You can go satisfy that, 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 that emptiness you have in your life you're trying to satisfy, right? There's that desire for more. And we live in a society, man, that is just take that, pour gasoline on it, light it with a match, throw a dynamite stick on it. And then douse it with kerosene. It is an explosion in our society now. More, more, more. More. We are inundated by it. I mean, literally, every day now, my email box is filled with advertisements telling me what's about to go down. Five days before Black Friday. Four days before Black Friday. Amazing, you know, going to be, you know... 80% 80% off, buy a t-shirt for a dollar, you're going to love it, I mean, just, it's starting now, man, I and, and again, that, that, I don't speak anything, my wife, when, when our kids were small, and back when stores were doing this more, when our kids were small, man, my wife was, she was on it, man, she was at, she went to, uh, she'd go to Toys R Us, and we got some amazing deals at Toys R Us, um, it was awesome, I mean, you get there, right? and You get there at the right time. So again, this is not, I'm not speaking any of this because if I was speaking against all of it, I'd be speaking against what we do. So it's not the thing that's the problem. We get so focused on the thing. Well, okay, are you telling me that Christmas is right or wrong? Should I not celebrate Valentine's Day? Should I stop celebrating these things? That's not the point. It's the thing under the thing that really is driving all of this. And that's what we need to look at for a moment today. Because God asks Israel, why are you spending money on things that are not bread? And why are you spending your labor on things that don't satisfy you? Because this desire to be filled, this thing that we're looking at, this surface stuff, it drives everything we do. I won't even ask you how many of you have financial stress in your life. Not because maybe and some of you do, you have you have legit stress just trying to pay your bills just to keep a roof over your head and food on your table. Okay, that's, I'm not speaking of you right now. Some of you are going through difficult financial times and there's difficulty that's you're facing and and if you're, if you're walking with Jesus, he'll see you through. That's not what I'm talking about today. But there are some of you that you're under financial stress, you're under financial difficulty, not because of your survival, it's because of the excess. You bought things you shouldn't have bought, you've You've purchased things you shouldn't have purchased. You've got financial stress. You're trying to pay off this bill, credit card bill, or you've got, you know, you're trying, you're looking at all your, your bills this week and go, month and going, how am I going to pay all this? And 90% of the stuff, uh, this, this happened to us. We were, we were learning this lesson. Several years ago, the Lord was really challenging us on our finances. And so we, at one point, we had, uh, we, we purchased some things one month and we sat down and, 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 and it was, um, it was bill paying time and 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 we sat down and my wife was stressed because she looked at what we owed and what we had and we it didn't match up. We just at the time we weren't we were a little tight and um we didn't have a lot of excess and uh we 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 had x amount due and we didn't have x amount to cover it and so we were trying to figure out how and what to pay off and what not to pay off and how we're going to do all this and we were stressed and 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 we stopped for a moment so let's pray and so we asked the Lord you know the Lord's got to help us and I got to be honest with you we didn't get this okay you know what you're my children I love you and I'm going to help you is God a God of love yes he's all those things you know what we got God said did I tell you to buy any of that stuff Um, no. Did I tell you to purchase these things? Uh, no. Did you pray about them? Did you ask me? No, but Lord, we really wanted it. It was a good deal. We got it on sale. I mean, we were trying to be smart with it. He said, why are you asking me to take care of this when you didn't ask me whether or not you would purchase it? Now, this is where the grace and the mercy and the love of Christ comes in. The Lord helped us. We got through it. But I guarantee you right now, we we can't make. he won't bail us out in the second time, makes that mistake. So now, everything we do, Lord, should we get this? Lord, should we buy this? And there have been some times we have bought and not asked, and I'm telling you what right now, I'm literally, this is not a joke, that when we buy something we're not supposed to, every month we do that, that month is a stress. Because God always pays his bills on time. Uh someone needs to hear what I'm saying. I don't know why I'm on this, but I just give me a moment here. God always pays his bills on time. If God told you to get it, if God told you to move into the house you're moving in, if God told you to buy the car you bought, if God told you to do what you're doing, then it's not on you. He always pays his bills. Say, Lord... You have us move here. God, you got it. You had us get this car. Lord, you told us to do this. Lord, we don't have the money to cover it, but you told us to do this. So we're trusting you with that because He always pays His bill. Now, if you moved where you wanted to move, you bought what you wanted to buy, you drive what you want to drive, you go where you want to go, you go on vacation when you want to go on vacation, and you don't have the money, it's not God's obligation to bail you out. He may or may not, but it's not an obligation. But if you are in His will and you do what He wants, He will always pay His bills on time. This is free today. This is a free little lesson. I'm going to talk about financial stewardness. First of all, to be a good financial steward, you need to be a good child. You need an obedient child. You need to start first by saying, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to purchase? Well, you know, okay, I prayed about the big things. Uh, I prayed about, you know, whether or not I should buy this house or not. Great, that's part one. But what about the other stuff in your life? Are you praying about the things, those other things? How about, Pray, we went, we went, this is this is I I I, I hesitate to say this because it's gonna sound like I'm trying to draw a light on something and make us out to be something, but we just this is just the way we live. We were looking for a rug. This just happened this week. We needed a rug. We go in the store, we find a rug. It wasn't an expensive rug. It was it was it was about fifty bucks for this five by seven rug. If you've sh- if rug shopped at all, you know fifty dollars for a five by seven. It's not that much. Unfortunately, in the world we live in today, things are getting crazy expensive. We put it in the cart. We're like, you know, it's a good deal. It's cheap. Um, it you know it 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 it, it, it looks good. It's it will fit. We get it in the cart. We go up to the cash register. We're standing in line. And literally we looked at each other and both of us kind of at the same time went, I don't know if we're supposed to buy this rug. And immediately that thought comes in, but it's just a rug. It's just a It's just a rug. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a rug. But it. I've learned this lesson before. So you know what we did? We took our cart back into the aisle, took our rug out, put our rug back, put the cart back, got in the car and came home with no rug. We need the rug, but it didn't, Why? Because I don't want to do anything that he hasn't told me to do. Now, you don't have to live that way. I'm not saying or suggesting you have to live that way. You live however God's leading you to live. My point to all this is the thing under the thing. What's driving this desire to be filled? Because let's go to this for a second. Some of you know this scripture, but I'm going to read it to you today for those of you that don't know it. It comes from John chapter 7 jesus is speaking here and this is the words of jesus he said on the last day the great day of the feast jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone thirst there's that word again right so we've established now psalms talks about it uh um, john talks about it it's multiple places i mean i could go through an entire uh bible study today on just the idea behind being thirsty in scripture it's 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 literally everywhere in scripture thirst 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 okay so john 7 we've got thirst Isaiah, I mean, uh, um, Psalms 42 uh, is, is thirst. We got other places. Isaiah talks about being thirsty. So Jesus says, if any man thirsts, so we've established today, you're going to thirst for something. You can't stop it. It's built into you. It's a part of your makeup. God made you that way. You can't stop it. You're never going to stop being thirsty. You can't say today, because I've had water today, I'll never need any more water. You know you drink today. You're going to have to drink this afternoon, drink this evening, drink tomorrow. It's built in. You don't go to the doctors and say, you know, something's wrong with me. Well, what's wrong with you? I'm thirsty. And the doctor says... Okay, have you drank? Yeah, doc, I drink all the time, but I'm just, I'm so, I'm, I'm just, I'm thirsty. I, I drank today and I thought that was going to solve the problem. But you know, I woke up tomorrow, I woke up this morning and I'm thirsty again. Something's wrong with me. Do you have any medication? Do you have any pills? You can help me do surgery? Come and help me. I, 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 I shouldn't be thirsty. A doctor's going to look at you and go, sir, ma'am, your body is built to be thirsty. If you, your body, it's natural we don't want to stop that your body, we can't stop it because your body's made that way so your your natural body and your spiritual body is built to thirst can't stop it you'll never come you'll never become spiritual enough where you're not thirsty and you'll never be able to get enough outside of god that stops your thirst speak to anyone today that uh, that has dealt with addiction drugs alcohol talk to those that have been with addiction some of you watching today you've dealt with your own addictions how many of you were able to get the same feeling the uh with the with 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 whatever substance you were using you got the same feeling on the 500th time as you did on the first time right the first time you took your drink you were drunk on the first beer the first time you you got high you were you were high on the first pill, the first shot, the first snort. It was done. You were good. But the more you do it, what happens? It requires more and more and more and more. Now, you know, now not one beer, it's four beers. Now it's not four beers, it's eight beers. Now it's not eight beers, it's 12, it's a 12-pack. Now it's not one shot, it's five shots. Now it's not just one one, one joint, it's five joints. Now it's not one pill, it's six pills, right? Because the more you give your body, the more your body wants. Hi-E, that's why you can never eat one cookie. Have you ever tried to eat one cookie? Now, you can do it. It takes an immense amount of willpower, but you can do it. But one cookie is extremely hard to do. Because one cookie always leaves you desiring two cookies. You've heard my story. I am, a, I am an absolute chocolate chip cookie guy. That's my thing, man. I don't eat ice cream. I don't eat pies. I don't eat cakes. I don't do any of that stuff. You can have all that. I don't know. Oh, I don't need oatmeal raisin. I don't need snickerdoodles, sugar snaps. You take all that stuff. God bless you. Enjoy it. Uh, all of you that love different types of cookies, that's great. I'm just a good old fashioned chocolate chip cookie kind of guy. But I gotta be honest with you, it's really hard for me to have one cookie. I don't do it, I get it on special occasions, usually my birthday and a holiday. My wife makes the best cookies, and I don't say that because it's my wife, and I don't say that because I am ha- I have to, I don't say that because she's looking at me right now, and she she's said, you know, you better, t-. no, I'm telling you, she makes the best cookies, and the problem with her cookies is I can't eat one, so I have to ask her, please, listen, you know, years ago, she'd make like a batch of 30, and I would tear them things up. I'd have 30 down in like two days. Now I'm like, listen, please, can you just make like six? Because I know if you make more than that, I'm going to eat all of those. So for my birthday, she made me cookies. And literally, she made me six cookies. Years ago, she'd make like 40, 45, 50. I asked her, please, just make six. Please, just spare me. Make six. Now, I cherished each one of those six cookies like it was literally bread. And manna from heaven, I would hold it. I would just caress it for a moment. I'd smell it. I'd take a little bite. I mean, I was milking those six cookies. But I knew when those six cookies were over, it was done. I didn't have any more. Because I knew if there was more, I would get more. Right? Because that's what we are. We are built to want more. And Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, and he says this, let him come unto me. You're going to thirst. Right? David says, My soul thirsts for God. And then he says, The living God. Jesus says, For those of you that thirst, you're going to thirst, but here's how you solve your thirst come unto me and drink. He's not going to, G- oh, hear what I'm saying for a moment. This is something someone needs to hear. God never points out the problem without giving you the solution. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to hear that for a second i know I know some of you have lost you here for a moment, but bring it back, bring it back in, focus. re-engage for a second. God never points out a problem that he does not give you the solution for. That's one of the greatest differences between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation points out the problem with no solution. Conviction points out the problem but always leads you to a solution and that solution is always Jesus Christ. So if you've got problems today with no solutions it's because it's not your problems are not coming from God. Your problems are coming from your own ability to try to fix your problems because if God is fixing fixing your problems, not only is he telling you what your problem is, but he's giving you the solution to fix your problems. It may be not the solution you want, but it's the solution you need. I feel the spirit of revelation. Someone needs to hear that. That's God speaking to you right now. Revelation coming. God never points out the problem without giving you the solution. He said, if you thirst, that's the problem. Come unto me and drink That's the solution. He didn't say, if anybody thirsts, you need to go find something to drink. That's not a solution. That's just identifying the problem. That's like saying, oh, duh, thank you. That's great genius, Jesus. I know I'm thirsty. I get I'm thirsty. What do I do about my thirst? He gives a solution. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And then he gives the further explanation because God is never going to leave you uh, and God's never going to lead you straight, So he's going to say, okay, here's the punchline, but I'm going to tell you the joke now. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his, the, the word there is belly in the King James. Other translations say heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now that word that's translated belly or heart It's not speaking of simply the cavity by which your food comes or the heart that pumps your blood. It's not speaking just of a metaphorical uh, place. Literally, that word there in the the original language, for those of you who don't know this, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew in the Old and Greek in the New. A little bit of Aramaic, but mostly Greek in the New. So the Bible here is actually originally written in Greek. So when we translate it, sometimes the translators use words that are familiar to us but weren't the words exactly what was being said there so we use the word here to translate belly or heart because we're more we're more familiar with those terms but uh here that word does not mean belly or heart example the bible says in the old testament about, about being moved in your bowels that just sounds terrible i read you read that in the old testament like moved in the bowels i mean like do you you need pepto there's but Back then, bowels were considered to be the place of your emotions. We call it getting butterflies. Because when we get nervous, we feel it in our nerve. When you get nervous, we get fearful. Sometimes it causes your bowels to act up. So they assume, because that's the case, that your emotions were in your bowels. That's why they would talk about your bowels being moved. They were talking about your emotion. They weren't talking about needing to go to the bathroom. So here they use belly and heart. But that's not the original word. The original word here is Cavity or emptying place, meaning literally that Jesus is not only telling you the problem, he's giving you the solution, but he's telling you the thing behind the thing. And the thing is you're thirsty, but the thing under the thing is that there's an emptiness in you that desires to be filled. Now, I know I'm talking to people. A lot of you today already know that you're like, okay, tell me something I don't know. Here's the problem. You know it, but you're like the group in Isaiah. Why do you spend money on things that are not bread? And why do you labor think for things that are not satisfying you? It's one thing not to know this and go, wow, i finally found what I've heard people. I've, one of the greatest feelings you can have is when you lead somebody to Jesus Christ and they go, I've never, I've been looking for this my entire life. I didn't know this was available to me. It is, It is it. Yeah, I've never felt so much peace. I've never felt much, so much satisfaction. You can see the light bulb go off. That is an amazing thing to see. I love that. I live to see that. That's a whole other group. But what's sad is some of you that have been walking with Jesus, and I put that in quotation not to be critical, but let's be honest, you, your term for walking with Jesus is a little loose. You've been walking with Jesus for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And yet you know this, and you're like, come on, okay, I came on here on Sunday morning to hear you talk about an emptiness. I know that, duh. But you're like Isaiah's group. Why do you spend money on bread, on things that are not bread? And why do you labor for things that don't satisfy you? And it reminds you of the story, one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture. Literally one of my favorite lines in Scripture. It's probably not what you think. One of my favorite lines in Scripture comes from Luke chapter 24. Let me read it for you real quick. Luke chapter 24, give you a little context here. Jesus has died, Jesus is buried, Jesus is resurrected. We pick up the story right here, right after the resurrection. Luke 24 one says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other woman with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb They Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. In case you didn't know who they were, those would be angels. I'm going to spell it out for you. Two men appear, shining garments, one Roman soldiers with polished armor. They happen to be angels. And this is what was said to them. Verse number five. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said, the angels said to them, and this is I, um, this is on my top five list of words in the Bible. I know it sounds funny, but I just, this is so powerful. They asked the, the, those that were there today, the women that came to prepare the body that show up. They don't find Jesus. And this is the question they ask him. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? If that does not surmise us and our world today, we are searching for living things among dead things. I'm not speaking ill of anything. Christmas, you go celebrate, you know, have at it. Black Friday, go crazy. Spend all night. Cyber Monday. Knock yourself out. Spend all your money. That's not the problem. But the problem is if you're doing that to satisfy something, if you're doing that to fill an emptiness, if you're doing that to get an emotional or, or, or a mental reprieve or a feeling, you are searching for the living among the dead. But there is yet one thing and one thing only that can truly satisfy. And that is Jesus Christ. Because he says you're going to thirst. But come to me and drink, because here's why. I'm the only one that can fill that emptiness in you. Now, if you're watching today and you've never experienced that, what I'm saying today is life-changing. Not because of me, because it's the word of God. When you discover that Jesus Christ is the answer, that he's the source, it is life changing. But what I'm also talking about is not just for those of you that are watching for the first time. But I'm talking about some of you that have been around for a long time. But I watch how you run your life. I watch the things that you do. I see, I, I can see you on Facebook. I, I, I see what's going on. And I just see people that are consumed with filling and emptiness with everything else but God. You sip on God, but you drink on life. You know, people say they drink coffee. Maybe, but most people sip coffee. You drink water. You don't sip water. I don't drink cold water anymore. I drink room temperature water. We buy water by the cases. We buy liter water by the cases, and we leave it in our cabinet cabinet. Warm, because, not warm, but room temperature, because I'm ready to drink. I don't want to be sipping on cold water. I want to drink. But if you drink coffee, you want it hot. My wife, she drinks coffee. She likes it piping hot. The moment it becomes cooler, she either heats it up or doesn't drink it. She wants it hot, but she doesn't guzzle it down. Maybe you do. I don't know. I haven't seen everybody's coffee habit, but she doesn't guzzle it down. She sips coffee. She enjoys coffee by sipping it. A lot of you—that's how you operate with God. You sip God. Ooh, it's Sunday. Ooh, I get a little sip of Jesus today. Praise the Lord! It's Sunday. Go a little sip with Jesus. I should call it sipping with Jesus. That's what Sunday morning is going to be called from now on. My new my new sermon series title: Sipping with Jesus. Come get your. Get the hot Jesus today, like the Krispy Kreme sign, the hot donut signs on. Jesus is hot and fresh today. Can you smell the aroma? The best part of waking up is Jesus with you today. We can call it jingle, right? We don't need Folgers in your cup. We can make it a jingle. Get your sip of Jesus today. But honestly, if all you ever do is drink coffee all day, you're going to be in a world of pain. Because you don't drink coffee. You sip coffee. You drink water. You drink juice. So some of you don't understand why you don't, okay, my life is, why do do I feel satisfied? I've got Jesus, but I don't feel satisfied. What's wrong with me? Maybe Jesus doesn't work anymore. Maybe Jesus is antiquated. Maybe all this stuff is not really what it's supposed to be. You know what the problem is? The problem is, is that you have Jesus, but you sip on him because you're drinking other things. What do you drink mostly with your dessert? Most of you, not everybody. I don't, I'm not a coffee guy, but most of my wife at the end of the meal, if she's gonna have dessert, she wants it with coffee. But she doesn't fill up on those things. Because she knows no one's ever drank coffee and go, well, I'm full, I'm good. I don't need anything else. Coffee is a bonus, something you add on to it. That's how most of us live our life with Jesus. He's a bonus. He's something we can have with our dessert. Ooh, Sunday, let me get a little, let me get a little pie, a little, a little pecan pie, a little pumpkin pie, a little apple pie. And ooh, can I throw a little coffee? Little sip of Jesus. Woo! Bless me today, Lord, with some apple pie. It's Sunday, Lord. It's been a long week, and I'm full on all kinds of stuff. Lord, I filled up yesterday. It was Saturday. Saturday is my day, God, because you know I work Monday through Friday. So Saturday, I had all the stuff I needed. I got filled. I got to watch my movie, and I got to do my errands. I got to do all kinds of stuff. So I'm a little full today, Lord, but you know, Jesus, you're my dessert. You're my apple to my pie. You're my You're my cheese to my cake, Jesus. I could use you, you know, you're my strawberries to my cream. So Lord, today it's Sunday. Can I get a little dessert and a little sip of coffee today? Ooh, that tastes good. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I I know, I, I know I can't live off Dessert and coffee, but Lord, it, it tastes good at the end of a meal to have a little bit of you. And thank you for satisfying me today, and I appreciate that. And so next Sunday, if you could, you know, Lord, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a, it's 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 going to be the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So if you could throw a little pumpkin pie in there next week, you know, we don't need it, we don't need apple pie. That's summertime. We need pumpkin, Jesus. So next week when I come Sunday morning, I, I'm, I'm, this week is I'm a, I'm be pretty full this week, so I'm probably not going to eat a lot. But Sunday, you know, a little pumpkin pie, a little coffee man, Jesus, if you could throw that in there, that'd be wonderful. He said, that's silly. That's exactly how we are. We wonder why we're never filled. We're wondering why we're never satisfied. Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse seven, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come, who come, All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and may have life more abundantly. When you see that word, and I'm finishing here today, when you see that word abundant, we think of excess, more. But that word abundantly does not mean just an excess That word abundantly means superior, above. He said, I haven't just come to give you a life. I've come to give you a superior life. Now, we are Americans. We we think life, a better life means more, more stuff, more pleasure, more vacations, bigger house, bigger cars, nicer clothes. But he said, the alert to that, he said the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. The allure, the lie that the devil has is all this stuff is really going to be the thing that satisfies it. But they've done study after study. This is not out of the Bible. This is not out of some Christian handbook. This is out of psychological uh, 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 journals of, of a medicine where they've done these studies, that people with money are no more happier than those without it. These are not just it's not just a a, 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 a well, you know, you just say it because you don't have money. No, it's been it's been proven. People with money, it's when you get to a certain part of, of having money, there's a certain threshold you get where, you know, you're not just you know trying to put food on your table, but you're able most, most Americans have reached that. I know some of you go, well, I'm not there yet, but compared to the rest of the world, we're all there. Some of us genuinely are are. Not there, but, but 90, 90% of us are there. There's 10% that are watching today that may not be there, but 90% of us are there. We don't have to worry about those things. But in our American mentality, when we think of abundant, we think of more. But we know the trap of that, it's not going to make us happy because we're just trying to fill a space with more stuff, not with the real thing. He said, I've come. If you come to me, right? If you come through me, I'm the door. Read it again. I'm the door and I'm going to let you go out and pasture. Who's pasture? Not your pasture, my pasture, because you're coming in my door. Therefore, you're going to be eaten in my pasture. If you do this, you're going to know that the thief tries to kill, uh, steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have a superior life. So a question to ask you is, do you have a life worth living? Do you have a life that's worth living? That's the question I believe the Lord is wanting me to ask you today. Is your life worth living? Now you may say, yeah, I mean, mean, I've never had more money in my life. I've never been more, more successful in my life. That doesn't mean you have a life worth living. Kate Spade took her life. Anthony Bourdain took his life. Robin Williams took his life. These are people that had what we would consider a life worth living, success, money, accolades. But they had lost the meaning of life worth living. Do you have a life worth living? We were in a store yesterday trying to find a rug. And it's a home store. Some of you probably have been there or a store like it. There's numerous stores. They go by different names, but they all pretty much are the same thing. It's the stores that just have everything under the sun. Huge stores filled with all kinds of home stuff. We happen to be up at one here in the Glen area, and we're. Sta- I was standing there, and I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm somehow on some elite level. Sometimes it just things hit me at the weirdest time. I, I'm, we went in there yesterday evening and it looked like literally a bomb had gone off in that store. There was stuff everywhere, literally. It was an explosion of stuff. Stuff was on the sh- off, off the shelves, on the floor. It was a disaster. And I stood there for a moment. I looked around and I just was overwhelmed by the amount of stuff. I saw how big the store is. This store is massive. It's huge. Tens of thousands of square feet. Filled. Every aisle filled with stuff. You can buy everything from bathroom to kitchen to outdoor furniture to Christmas decorations to, I mean, rugs and pictures and lamps. I mean, it's one of those stores, right? Bookshelves and flowers and bushes and, I mean chairs and tables it's one of those it's one of those home stores they got many of them I stood around and I know we were right the one here local to our house and I went okay well there's this one and right within about 10 minute drive there's about five other stores that are close to this size that all sell the same thing and that's just in our little area of the world this goes on everywhere across this country every day and I was staggered by this amount of stuff that we have that we feel like we need to exist with. And I was walking out. We were, we were. And I saw this picture. Yeah, if you have this picture, I'm not picking on you. Please don't take it. But I saw this picture. I snapped a picture of it. Ha uh-huh, picture of the picture. It was on the shelf. And I saw it. It says, all you need is love, shoes, and diamonds. All you need is love, shoes, and diamonds. I'm not knocking that. And I'm sure it wasn't written to be a statement of facts. I get it. I understand where they're coming from. It's a joke, most likely. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. I get all that, right? I'm not, I'm not living under a rock, okay? I know women love shoes and they love diamonds. I get all that. I'm not trying to make some kind of philosophical statement by sign. You're taking it way too serious. No, I'm not taking it serious. But you know what? Let's be honest. That has a lot of truth to it. Because that's what our world thinks. But really, if you could reread that, our world says... All I need is love, and to me, love is more shoes and diamonds. Or maybe it's not shoes and diamonds for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's shoes and electronics. Maybe it's something else, fill in the blank. Maybe all you need is love, but love to you is better house and cars. Maybe love for you is a better job, better life for your family, more vacations, whatever it is. You see, all I need is love, but for us, we equate this from love is, yeah, I got love, okay, thank you for the love, but love really to me is stuff, more stuff. But the really amazing part about this is, is that we've lost the trueness of love. What is love? Because 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, God is love. This is why God is the only thing. So really, if we were to rewrite this statement, we would say, all I need is love, period. And you would say, well, love, you can't eat love. You can't put love on you. You can't clothe you. You can't drive love to work. Love won't keep you out of the rain. Maybe man's love would, but his love, his love, his love is all those things. His love is all those things. All I need is love. But as David put it, we can't end a sentence like that because we have lost the definition. David says, I thirst for God. But David understood the people he was writing to, not everybody was serving the right God. So he had to make sure they understood what God he was referring to. I thirst for God, comma, the living God. So all I need is love, period. But we need to make sure we finish that sentence. God is love. I told you today I had the answer for you, not the answer you wanted, but the answer you need. And the answer is simply this. Are you really gonna keep trying to buy things and spend money on things that are not bread? And are you gonna continue to labor for things that don't satisfy you? Are you going to finally realize there is but one source and that is Jesus Christ? And you're trying everything you can to deal with the thing, but the thing really that's is the most important is the thing under the thing. What are you gonna do today? Keep searching? Or do you gonna come to realize realization he is the only answer? Well let's say today you tomorrow you get that raise, you get more money. You go out and buy your better car. Get your better house, get your plane, get your get your whatever you want to choose. I don't whatever. I don't know why I say plane. I can't afford a plane. But buy whatever you want to buy, I don't care. But you really think that's gonna be it? That's it? Is that gonna finally be the 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 uh the missing link to your chain of satisfaction? <sighs> This is it. I said this several weeks ago, but I'll say it again. The moment the final whistle blew, Tom Brady, last February, stood on the field as a seven-time Super Bowl champion. The confetti fell. He picked up the Lombardi Trophy to celebrate the fact he was again the seven-time. Super Bowl champ. No one's ever done that before. That was Sunday. Two days later, I think they had a parade. They celebrated again. But what's really sad, a month later, Tom Brady had to make a choice. He was back in the gym. <clears throat> he was back working out. He was back preparing for another season. Because when September rolled around and they took the field again, yeah, that was good, but the crowd, they didn't care about Super Bowl last year. What do you do? What have you done for me lately? <coughs> because we're never satisfied. So get your Super Bowl. But guess what? Next season's coming. There's coaches that get fired all the time that have won Super Bowl, one championship, because they won it one time, but two, three years later, their teams are, are not very good. And so you know what? We're done. Wait a minute. He's done this before, he's proven he can do it, it doesn't matter. Where have you lived lately? Don't live off last year's Super Bowl and think, well, God, I know you satisfied me back when I first found you. That was awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. That was the first time. But when is the last time you felt satisfied by him? When is the last time you drank of that living water and felt that satisfaction you felt the very first time? Why do you search for the living among the dead? Father, I've spoken what you've given me to speak. I've tried not to add to or take from that, but I have felt your spirit speaking. I've felt it trying to penetrate even the hardest of hearts today. But Lord, I can't control who listens and who doesn't listen, but I know your word is everlasting and your truth endures for all generation. So Father, I speak now in Jesus' name that your word would penetrate into our hearts. That you would not leave us alone. But even as we go about our day today, we try to turn all this off. That the, the pricking of your spirit would begin to just continue to prick us. That you are the answer and you're the only answer. You were you are the answer. You are the answer. And you will always be the answer. It's you. You're the thing under the thing under the thing. It's you. It's you. But Lord, today, I bind the blindness that keeps us from seeing that you are the answer. I bind the the lies of Satan. I bind the, the lies of this world that try to get us to look everywhere else but you because you and you alone are the source of all of life. So Father, right now I speak that our eyes would be open, that we can see, that our ears would be open to hear, that our hearts would be open that we can receive the seed of your word today in Jesus' name. God bless you. I pray in Jesus' name that you would hear what was said today. You would take it, mix it with faith, and apply it to your heart by the power of the word in Jesus' name.